1: Everywhere you look, everywhere you look, every single, you know, our music is completely uh, uh, adulterated. Our videos and movies are completely adulterated. Our sitcoms are completely adulterated. You know, I remember a, a day, and you know, I'm not that old, you know, I'm only 49 years old, but I remember a time when TV shows really weren't that bad. And now they're all tainted with all this weird, wicked stuff. And it's Desensitizing you because there's an agenda for this world, and the devil has an agenda.
0: Today on Truth in Christ Radio, we are to abstain from fleshly lusts. Welcome everyone to our Bible study for today. Pastor Rob continues in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 11 today. Peter reminds us that there is a war against our souls. He commands his readers to live honorably as holy sojourners so that even hostile Gentiles might come to glorify God. Paul tells us in his letter to the Ephesian church that we wrestle against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We too should live honorably and walk in the will of God to avoid the temptations of this world. And now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues in 1 Peter.
1: In Christ, you know, before I knew Jesus, I felt like my life was just, I was just spinning my wheels and one heartache after another. And then, you know, to realize that, you know, do you remember the day that that, that your sin was lifted when you finally gave it up and you finally said, Lord, I I need you, I want you into my life. I I pray you'd forgive me, Lord. I would even beg the Lord. I beg the Lord to forgive me. And he's like, you don't have to beg so hard, Rob. (laughs) You don't have to beg. Just ask. But I was so consumed in my own sin and my own ugliness that I I begged him didn't you beg him because you just loved him so much you wanted everything he had for you you just wanted to be consumed by him you know in our culture in life you know people think well I don't want to be consumed by anything right but as a Christian do you really want to be consumed by the spirit of God to be completely taken over I know it sounds really weird because when you think of a spirit taking you over that kind of gives you weird thoughts right But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, that's who he is. And we have to yield to him. It's good for us to do that because we'll live life and life more abundant when we finally say, Lord, my life is no longer my own. You paid the price. I just want to be all yours. Take me, consume me, Lord. Consume me. Let him consume you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time, and we pray, Jesus, that you would order our steps now, Father, and just be glorified in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning, the, the title for this morning's message is Our Warfare and Witness in the World. Our Warfare and Witness in the World. And what we're going to be doing is we're in 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to be picking up in verse 11. Last week we talked about Jesus being the cornerstone, the very foundation of our faith. And as we talked about last week, a foundation stone, a cornerstone is important. If that cornerstone is off-kilter, if it's not right, if it's not placed... Your building is shambles. You might as well hang it up because it's not going to work. The corners aren't going to be square. Nothing's going to be plumb. It's going to be a complete mess. And so Jesus Christ is our chief cornerstone. If he is in your life, your life, you're going to feel more alive than you've ever felt because he is the one who is life. He says, I am the way. I am the only way. I am the only truth. I am the only life. There's no other life outside of Christ. Everything else is death. Have you figured that out by now? Everything else apart from Christ is nothing but death. It's just a band-aid. It's just a band-aid. It's an excuse. But don't you want the real thing? Don't you want real life? The real thing. Jesus is all of that and so much more. So much more. We're going to be looking in verse 11 and let's just read it together. Uh, first uh, sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. He says, Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, he says, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak evil or speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Notice that first verse there. I love Peter's heart because he says, Beloved, I beg you. I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from these fleshly lusts that war against your soul. The word beg there is, is very strong. It means to, I beseech you, I beg you, I implore you, do this. Consider what I'm saying to you. And if there's ever a time we need that, it's right now because our world is filled with the flesh. Everywhere you look, everywhere you look, every single, you know, our music is completely uh, uh, adulterated. Our videos and movies are completely adulterated. Our sitcoms are completely adulterated. You know, I remember a day, and you know, I'm not that old. You know, I'm only 49 years old, but I remember a time when TV shows really weren't that bad. And now they're all tainted with all this weird, wicked stuff. And it's desensitizing you because there's an agenda for this world, and the devil has an agenda. But the good news is, is that God wins. <laughs> Smile really big because he wins. Remember that. Read Revelation chapter 19 and begin in verse 11 and smile really big and read it to yourself four or five times before you go to bed. That's your prescription. (laughs) Remember that because you're going to need it because this world is tough. It's tough, but he's saying, Peter says, I beg you, abstain from these things. I implore you. You know, there are other, you know, it, it is important because, you know, if Peter is begging you, he's like, I'm going to stand in your way. I'm going to get in the way here, and i want to make sure you understand this. And, you know, that's what real love does. Real love just doesn't let you go and, and just take the bait and run with the spinner. And, you know, you know, you're out fishing, and that line is just going out like when you catch a black tip shark, an eight-footer, and he's just running with that mullet, and he's taking off. You know, you just let him go. God, you know, love is not like that. Love locks it and, and, and brings it back and says, you've gone too far. You've gone too far. You're going in a direction you don't even know where you're going, but the end of it is death. There's a way which seems right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death, right? And so he's begging you, imploring us. And you know, there are other verses... For this word, uh, beg, you know, um, it's in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says, he says, therefore, uh, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. There, there, that word beseech is his idea. I beseech you, I implore you, I beg you to walk worthy of the calling which, which, which you were called. And even in Mark's gospel, Jesus says a leper came to, to him, to Jesus, imploring him, begging him, saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you're, if you're a, a, a leper, you're going to be begging at the Lord's feet, wanting to be released from this malady that you have, right? And so we can come to the Lord, and we don't really need to beg, but it is that serious. Take it seriously. Take your walk with Christ seriously. Don't let it get lukewarm. Don't let it get kind of warm and cold and cooling off. Get closer to him. Be in his word daily. Be in his word nightly. Be in his word all throughout the day. Just take a verse. You know, when you're feeling challenged, get into, the, get into the word of God. And he says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. The idea of pilgrims there, we already looked at that in the very first chapter of this letter of Peter. In the very uh, first verse, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims. There it is, to the pilgrims. This idea is one who is from a foreign country or for in, um, into a city or land to reside there by the side of the natives. And that's really all we are. We're just, we're just pilgrims passing through. Is this world all that you have? Are you a stranger in this land? Or are you very comfortable in this world? When I, before I knew Christ, I was very comfortable trying to create my nest in this world. Because that's what we do. We insulate ourselves apart from Christ. The natural inclination is this is all we've got. I'm going to, you know, the, biggest, the man with the biggest toys wins. You know, get the bigger house. I want to insulate myself from any hardship. And that's what we do. We insure ourselves. We do this. We do that. We insulate ourselves from any harm, from any discouragement. And then to finally realize that you can do all that you want, but it's going to come your way. And the only solution is to have a peace in your heart apart from those things. And it's no problem having those things. But the real thing is a relationship with Christ. He is the only one who can satisfy your soul. Material possessions cannot satisfy you. But do you feel comfortable in this world? You ought not to feel comfortable. Because this world and its system is diametrically opposed to everything that you believe in, to everything that is written here in the Word of God. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all of it is in here. Great examples of all those things in here. For what? Our nurturing, our admonition, for our correction. Was this world all that you hoped for? It's not for me, because the Bible says that our citizenship is in heaven in Philippians chapter 3 beginning in verse 20 Paul says for our citizenship is in heaven it is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the savior the lord Jesus who will transform our lowly body that may be conformed that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself our citizenship is in heaven get your eyes on heaven and lest on the earth you will find greater happiness And the things that you do, are you doing them, who are you doing them for? Why are you doing them? And you know, once you commit your heart to say, Lord, I want everything I say, everything I do, to be about you and your kingdom. And when that happens, all of a sudden, the things on this earth aren't really as important. Because if that's ultimately where you're going to be, and you're going to be rewarded, right? We are going to be rewarded for the things that we have done as Christians, we call it the beam seat judgment. It's not a judgment of salvation or lack thereof. It's a judgment and a, and a rewards or lack thereof for what you've done. If you're at the beam seat judgment, you are, you are in heaven. You're, you're accepted by Christ. But there's even a greater blessing attached to it because of the rewards that we get for what he puts in our heart to do for him. And we do it with the right heart, with the right motives. And he rewards those things. He's all about that. He's all about rewarding you. But our citizenship is in heaven. We're not going to look at, um, yeah, we will. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. Abraham knew this whole idea of this earth is not my own. He says, by faith, verse 8 of uh, Hebrews 11, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. Notice that. He's just a pilgrim passing through. Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And by faith, Sarah herself also strength received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man... And him, as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in the multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. And here it is in verse 13. But these all died in faith, Abraham and Sarah and others, not having received the promises yet, but having seen them afar off, they were assured of them. They embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. Do you seek a homeland this morning? My, I, I, I can't wait to be in heaven. Really, I mean, is there anything greater <laughs> to be in heaven for eternity? Do you realize that your life on earth, 70, 80, maybe 90 years, maybe 100 years, that's all you've got. Eternity, compared to that, makes those years seem like they didn't even exist. It's just a small little blip on the screen, your life, and then eternity. That makes me want to live for eternity. That makes me want to live for the one who is in eternity. I want to live for Christ. Do you want to live for Christ? Live for him. Give yourself completely over to him. Say, God, you examine my life. Take the flashlight, that hundred million beam candlelight power light, and just shine it down my throat, down in my nose, wherever it is, and just look and search every dark place and get rid of everything that doesn't right, that's not right. Just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. But it says in verse 13, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, they were assured them, they embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things clearly declare that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And he's got a city prepared for us. Didn't Jesus say that when he left? As he stood on the Mount of Olives and his disciples were there, he says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am you may also be. And I will come again for you. That's a promise. Hasn't happened yet, but it could happen any moment. And I'm looking forward to that moment. In verse 11, it says in that phrase, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Abstain from fleshly lusts. You know, in Galatians chapter 5, it says this, and this is not a very nice list. I look at this list and it's pretty putrid. (laughs) He says, I say then, Paul speaking to the Galatians, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders. Oh my goodness, this list just kills you. Drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Does that mean as a believer, you're not going to stumble into a few of these things at times? You may, but your soul is taken care of, right? What do we do as Christians when you fall into these things? You confess them. You repent of them. You turn from them. You say, God, give me the strength to resist, right? And he's there to help you. He's there to help you. But turn away from these things. Turn away but those who practice these things, they continue doing them. There's no repentance. They just keep doing them, keep doing them. I'm better than the other person, so God has to accept me, right? That's the, the thinking. God doesn't have to accept you. Apart from Christ, you are not one of his. So if you are in Christ, you are forgiven. You can be forgiven. And you continually confess, and you turn from those things. And But if you don't know Jesus tonight, today, you must receive him because he loves you. He loves you so much. Don't leave this place without praying with somebody. Because your fate is important. Because there's only two places that we are going to go. We are either going to be in heaven with him, or we are going to be separated in hell forever. Forever. Okay? But God loves you. That's why he sent Christ to die in your place. I love what D.L. Moody said. He says, I have more trouble with D.L. Moody than with any man I know. (laughs) I like that because it it puts the impetus back on me then, right? It's like I, I need to look at myself. See, oftentimes in Christian circles today, we tend to look at everybody else. But God's encouraging you to look at you in the mirror. I looked in the mirror today and I got a haircut and I thought, wow, you look like Beaker from The Muppet Show. You look like a Q-tip. Right, Tom? Do I look like a Q-tip? No? His wife? Okay. But, you know, you look in the mirror and you have to deal with that person in the mirror. Deal with that person. Forget about dealing with everybody else. You've got enough on your plate. Deal with that person that you're looking at. Saying, "I, you are condemned <laughs> to the cross, but you are beloved by your Savior. All right? Take a hard stance on your own sin and be gracious toward others. And that is what wins people's hearts when they see the change in your life. Because if you really believe it, you're going to allow the Lord to change you. You must be changed. You must be changed. It's a, it's a process, consecration, uh, this sanctification. It's, it's him setting you apart from all this junk. And that is a process once you're a child of God. Let him do it. And when people see it and they see that you're hard on yourself but you're loving and gracious toward them, I tell you what, that is the biggest magnet. Because they're like, you know what? I don't know what this is that you got, but I want it. Because there's such a joy and such a peace about you. I don't have that because I'm still in my sin. I'm still reveling in my mess. God wants to take you from the mess. Abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. There is our warfare. This word actually means in the Greek it's may I? I'm probably butchering that word, but that's okay. I'm not a Greek scholar. But the idea is a strategy. When a when a when a king goes to battle, when a military general goes into battle, there is a strategy. There is a a unique strategy. And have we forgotten that we are in a war? We look around, and things may be relatively peaceful. You don't have uh, military, you know, tanks rolling through your town, right? We we live in relative peace, but there is a war that's going on that we can't see, and therefore it is more elusive. It's more elusive. James chapter 4 says, where, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? That war, that word war, is the same word that we have here in 1 Peter. That war against the soul, that war against your members. You know, there is a war for the souls of men and women. There is, and there always has been, this war for your soul, for your affection, for your worship. You know, for those who, who do know Jesus, the devil can't take away your salvation. There is a warfare for the child of God, and even for those who don't know him. But if you do know him, the devil can't take away your salvation, but he can mess with your head, and he can tarnish your witness. He can make your Christian life a mess and unfruitful, and you can let him. You see, God has a better plan. He's got a much better plan. It's a fight. It's a battle, and it's not a political battle. We look around today, and there's politics and battles, right? (laughs) Right? But remember that Jesus Christ has won the battle. Read the end of the book. Know that he is the victor. He is the victor. He is going to rule and reign for a thousand years on this planet. And then this one will be dissolved and he'll create a new heavens and a new earth. But in that thousand year reign, guess what? There's not going to be any Republicans. There's not going to be any Democrats. There's not going to be independents. There's not going to be conservatives. Only Jesus is going to be there. Only one name on the ballot. Won't that be great? <laughs> one name on the ballot. <laughs> so we don't wrestle with, against flesh and blood. We have to remember that, folks. And see, that's what makes us so different from any other world religion. Every other world religion, Islam is a good example. Their hope is for this earth, conquering this earth. And in order to do that, you've got to fight. You've got to strap C4 to your body and blow up people to get your battle done. Jesus said, I've already won the victory. You don't need to be strapping yourself with C4. You don't need to be going out with guns and rifles. He's the God of the living, not of the dead. He wants to save you. He doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. He loves people. You're his poema. You're his precious jewel. You're his precious workmanship that's what the Bible says. But there is a war nonetheless. And how are you going to wage that war? Again, you know, the government doesn't have to worry about us. I mean, think about it. We are the most docile group, or we should be. Have you ever seen a sheep? When they, have you ever seen a sheep smile? they got these funny-looking teeth. They're all milky white, and there's nothing sharp about them. I mean, they're completely defenseless. You could, you could go up and, and hit a sheep, and he'd be like, well, don't do that. You know, and if you get him really mad, well, he's not going to bite you. And even if he does, is he going to gum you to death? I mean, this animal is completely the, most, the cutest thing in the world, and defenseless, harmless. And see, the church is like that. We're not going against the government. Anybody who's stockpiling...
0: I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in First Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625.